Megan, where would you like to start? Um. Hi, I'm a little worried. <laughs> I a little worried. I'll keep my day job. Eh, you know what? I'll give it a pass. Dad joke. It was alright. So, I guess this is the part where I tell you a little bit about the story that I want to pull you all through. Because, hey, I get to try my hand at being a DM. Um, I had put up a couple things in the text chat ages and ages ago when this came up as a possibility. So I'm just gonna run through those really quickly. Um, the first one that I put out there was, I encourage silly and out there characters. I really like memorable ones. It doesn't have to be a serious character. You can take what you want and run with it. Um, I will be allowing any alignment provided that you can make sure your character's not gonna kill the people you're supposed to be working with and can have a reason to still work with them. Uh, something fun that, well, I mean, I consider it fun. If I ask for a skill check and you can give me a reasonable reason to use a different skill, I'll probably allow it. There were times when Caleb asked me for a strength check and I was like, mm, can I use acrobatics instead? And if I made a good enough reason or had a good enough reason to use acrobatics, then he let me roll with that. And I like that. That's I think that's really fun. The rules be guidelines. Exactly. I'm going to do something hopefully fun with uh, critical successes and critical fails. So hear me out and tell me if this makes sense. A natural 20 on an attack is a critical success. Double your damage to your target. So that's you roll your damage and then just double it. You don't have to roll again. You don't have to add max damage. And then okay. you're going to roll that d20 again. And if you get 11 to 20, half of that damage is going to go to any enemy within five feet of your target as a melee attack or 15 feet of that target if you made a ranged attack. Uh, essentially, it'd be like you shoot an arrow at someone and it goes straight through their heart or through their abdomen and hits the next person. And if there's more than one of the secondary enemy within range, uh, you and you can't decide, roll for whichever one. If there's three in the way, then just roll a dice and see which one's going to get hit. Now, a natural one would be a critical fail, no damage to the target, and you roll that d20 again, and if you get one to ten, half damage will go to an ally within five feet of you for a melee attack or 15 feet for a ranged attack. Now I'm not sure about that one entirely because that's a pretty decent chance, one to 10, that you are actually gonna hit an ally. But then again, it's only on a natural one. 
So what what are your guys' thoughts? <laughs> um, some of those attacks, I don't know how far we're gonna get in this game, could could instantly kill. Yeah. That's okay. my worry. <laughs> well, then we roll a new character. <laughs> how but about... yeah, I'm game for anything. How about we try it, and if it just seems like a really bad idea, then we just don't do it. I mean, I'm going to be playing my distance, so hopefully I won't be in that close range. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the most important one is that Obviously, I'm a new DM, so if you think I should be doing something different, please tell me. Just, you know, don't don't worry about it. If you're like, hey, wait a minute, I think it goes this way, tell me, and then we'll figure it out. Learning process. There's a difference between rules shepherds and rules lawyers. I don't think you have any rules lawyers here. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. But I do have two guys that know the game really well, and that makes this feel a lot better. <laughs> um, something I'm really excited about, I borrowed this idea from uh, a different group of people that play. They call it something totally different, and it's kind of used in a different way. But if you as a player or your character does something that ends up being, like, awesome, basically, or you have like a great insight into the game or connect some dots that didn't expect you to connect at that point in the game, I will be handing out virtual magic mushrooms. And those magic mushrooms that you have, there's no limit on how many you can hold, but you can turn them in to gain advantage on any roll, but you have to cash it in before you actually make the roll. Okay. I hope that made some sort of sense. Like an award system. Yeah, pretty much. Alrighty. So. Um, I am probably going to be playing a uh, priest-like character who is actually a barbarian, so I hope you're not expecting healing out of him. <laughs> I think that's awesome. You know, he, he has a god that he prays to, and, uh... But he does not, you know, he's not one of the, the special people who gets magic powers for praying. He also runs an orphanage. I like that. And it gives you a reason to be in town. This entire story is starting in a really, really small city. It's fall, the days are warm, the nights are cool, and it's not a rich city by any means. They do have a wall around the city, but it has to be patrolled constantly because it's not in the best shape. And it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. The there is a baron and baroness that rule the city, but they are actually uh, not bad rulers. 
as there are so many in these stories. They're very nice people and they really do care about the townspeople. Um, a little bit of backstory on them. The, the original manor house for the rulers was converted and into the orphanage that Caleb's character runs and they have a much more modest home than one might usually expect out of people that rule a city. <laughs> I'm sure Mrs. Bohanahan was thrilled to find out I was given more space for children. <laughs> yeah, I didn't tell you about that, but I was like, wait a minute, that, that would fit perfect. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, he kind he kind of showed up at home. His his backstory is kind of sad, but he was a fisherman who had a son and a wife, and his son apprenticed to be a carpenter and moved to a uh, moved to a city across like down the river, and there was a fire, and Mohanahan stole slash borrowed a boat and raced himself down there. But by the time he got there, his son and his wife, his son's wife had perished and his grandson was now an orphan. And so he was going to load his grandson up and take him back with him. And there were like six other orphans there. So he didn't want to just leave them. So he put them all in the boat and just showed up at home one day with seven kids. An epic way to get kids. Yeah, well, you know, his wife was... I mean, she's very welcoming of them, but he's continued to grow that number because it's turned into a, uh, he, you know, he was a fisherman, so he's got them fishing and gardening so that they produce enough food for themselves, and then they also make a soup that they sell to the less fortunate for, you know, like a copper a bowl out of the things that they collect and gather. Great. Money is money is not something the orphanage has lots of. <laughs> Which is fitting because the entire city doesn't have much. There it's it's on the poor end of things. But the Baroness does visit the orphanage fairly regularly just to help out where she can, play with the kids, you know, read them books. Education is important. It is extremely important. So I don't really have any limitations on your characters. Uh, my only sort of warning would be that I don't own all the source books, nor do I have the ones that I do own memorized. So you'll be responsible for your own character. <laughs> There's a really good chance I'm not going to know what your character can and cannot do. <laughs> that makes it fun. Yeah. What level are we starting at? Level one. Yeah, so I have that level one character from before, the one I'm using. Yeah. Except you're going to need to erase all the numbers you had on that because we are re-rolling them, if I am correct. That is correct. We're going to re-roll stats so that everyone is here again for new, fun, fair, serpentine socialism. Okay, you'll have to walk me through all of them. Yeah, that's fine. So, 
don't worry about that. I'll do all of that, and at some point, maybe I'll explain the other side of it. Do a whole damn episode on that. But for now, just erase the numbers that you have in your abilities, your skills, and your saves. But don't erase your proficiency markers, because you'll probably want the same ones anyways. So, the way this fun little game works is we all roll... Is it, uh, you wanted 46 drop the lowest, Megan? Uh, yes. Okay, so grab yourself your 4d6. We're each gonna roll. We'll call out the number. I'm gonna jot them down. Then, at the very end of it all, we will roll a d20. High roll goes first. Low roll, uh, next lowest, next lowest in picking of the numbers. If you guys just want to take the highest available roll, I can do that and it would expedite things. Or if you choose to gimp your character, that is something that you can bring up and we will pick through them one by one. It stops the player from rolling three fives and getting all three of them, because that sucks. So what do I do? I roll four d6s? Yeah, roll 4d6, drop the lowest, and add the other three together. I got a 10. I got a 14. Andy? 12. 12. Okay. Do it again. Got another ten. I got a ten. Ten. You also got a ten? <laughs> yep. Well, good news. Everybody's getting at least one ten. <laughs> and again. Let's go high rolls. I got eight. I got fourteen. Fifteen. There we go. <laughs> Do it again. Seventeen. Eleven. fourth run so we do this two more times so roll 18 well, uh, 13 14 righty one last time 16. Fifteen. 
15. Ready. Not bad. No, not really. We've got a few tens, well, but only one that's under 10. Yeah, that's really not bad. I, I have done this with 46, dropped the lowest, and not gotten great results. Right, now all three of us get to roll a d20. Straight roll. 19. 9. 13. Alright. All right, so it's John. Andy. Now, would I be right in assuming you are both going to want the highest available stat on your turn? Yes. Yeah. Alrighty, so... 18 goes to John. 17, 17 goes, goes to Andy. 16 to you. Yep. I will message this into the group chat afterwards. And then, second time round, we go back up. However, everybody gets a 15! And then everyone gets a 14. Oh, you're doing this along with me, yes. We go back down. 15, 14, 14. And then, so we went down, up, down. We start at me again, so that's a 13 for me. A 12 for both of you. That's an 11 for John. And 10. 10. Despite all of those 10s, John, you will not be getting one. You know, the last part of it is that you have to weave up and down, so... Interesting. In, ro in, in rolling the lowest, I get the worst score. I get the least highest score, but I also avoid the lowest score. John going first gets the highest score, but also gets uh, the lowest score as well. Alright, gotcha. See, I knew there was a reason I, I let you do this instead of me. <laughs> It's complicated as shit the first time around. Um, and then once you get a hang for it, it solves a lot of problems. Yeah, absolutely. Alright, so Caleb's gonna pop those numbers up for everybody. Working on that as we speak. Yep, not a problem. I had a cool idea for these sessions, guys. Um, Based on the fact that we might someday have a Patreon subscriber, I was hoping to keep our actual episode content to be between an hour to an hour and a half. No longer than an hour and a half. Um, kind of shooting for that hour 10, hour 15 mark. And then we'll stop the actual episode. But then we'll have maybe 10 minutes of just us bullshitting talking about what happened and that extra bullshit will go onto patreon behind the paywall because i hear people like that kind of thing
I mean, sure. If they're gonna... I think it's a great idea, and yeah, for some reason people like that kind of thing. Yeah. So are those the stats starting... Where do I put them? Wherever you want. So those are going into your into your uh, ability scores. Yeah. So as a as a undead warlock sage, should I invest my highest number in charisma or wisdom? Uh, you are a warlock, so charisma would be a good one for you. And then then wisdom for the next. I'm thinking that, and then intelligence. Okay. Intelligence isn't going to do a whole lot for you as a character. Should I invest more in dex or strength? Or constitution? I'd... Mm. No, constitution will be my third highest. Should constitution be my third highest? That's usually a safe bet because improving you your points. <laughs> yeah, you get more health for it. <laughs> okay. And then I don't need strength, dex, and intelligence as much. Do I, should I take heal of my constitution or my wisdom or an extra point? I don't want to be higher than the other. Wisdom, I think, is going to be a secondary skill for you. Okay. So I would go with a higher constitution and then a decent wisdom. So like number one charisma, number two constitution? It would make you hard to kill. Okay then. end up doing that i i pick the stat that i least need and just put a throwaway number in there and then i work my way up usually so megan here then what would you do should i value more dex strength or intelligence i do dex the warlock yeah just based on based on how many times I've had to roll a dexterity saving throw. <laughs> but I come at this Dex. from a whole different angle, having only played in a couple campaigns as a few different characters. <laughs> dexterity com Dex comes up a lot as a save. And so I should go Dex Intelligence and then Strength Last? I mean, intelligence saves do happen, but yeah, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Your main score you're going to want is your charisma. Uh, wisdom saves come up, dexterity saves come up an awful lot. Intelligence saves do, and con saves do happen, and they're usually bad when you fail them. <laughs> but not the end of the world. And my proficiency, when it says, what do I do? Do I add any points anywhere? Uh, your proficiency bonus is a plus two. And so for my stats, I don't add anything in the stats for that? Uh, no, so if you take a look on your character sheet, in your saving throws, you, you have two of them marked off in the little bubbles. Yeah, I chose wisdom and charisma. Should I be going into uh, constitution and charisma? You don't choose those, they're given to you. Oh, okay, okay. Well then yeah, I have wisdom and charisma. 
So you would take your strength modifier for your strength, put it in there, and then the ones that you're proficient in, it would be whatever that ability score modifier is, plus two. So how do I find out my modifiers? Okay, what's your strength score? Eight. Um, minus... Minus one. Dex is 12. Uh, plus one. Fifteen for constitution. Plus two. Eleven intelligence. Zero. Fourteen wisdom. Plus two. And eighteen charisma. Plus four. So then... On the two that I have proficiency and I'm just adding plus two to all the dark ones and then putting the rest in regular? Yes. Okay. Cool, now I need to figure out where I'm putting my stuff. Alright, uh, put that there. It serves me no good, but I'm giving myself a plus two wisdom. So when my wisdom is plus two and I go to my skills and I'm proficient, like for, for example, let's use my intelligence in Arcana. If I'm proficient in Arcana, do I, and like, what am I trying to say? Let me try and figure out the wording. Okay, intimidation, I have I'm proficient in it. It's charisma. My charisma is a plus four, but I have a, my saving throw, it's a plus six, but I just use plus four. So it would just say plus six, right? It wouldn't say plus eight. Yeah, it would just say plus six. You'd just be adding your proficiency bonus. A save is when something bad is happening to you. A check is when you are doing something to someone else. That has to be the simplest and probably best way I've ever heard that explained. So if I'm proficient in a skill, do I just add to whatever the number is for intelligence? For example, are my arcana I'm proficient in, but it's an intelligence skill? So it's your intelligence modifier, and then if you're proficient in it, it's plus two. Thank you. Now to fill this crap out. <laughs> oh, it's always fun. I like creating characters. I have to stop myself from just creating characters I know I'll never need, never need, never use. <laughs> you will always have more. It's. You always have more characters, and you will always have more campaign ideas than you will ever have time for. That's sad. We should get to live longer so that we uh, get to play all the games we want to play. I agree.
create an initiative armor class that all that stays, stays the same? Uh, what is your armor? I, uh, I changed it. I got it to 11, so I don't know what my armor is. I have to check here. Leather what armor. Kind of, I have leather, leather armor. armor. So it's plus one AC. Uh, it's 11 plus your dexterity. So what's your dexterity? Plus one. So you have a 12 AC. Initiative is zero. Dexterity. Dexterity. And are we doing hit points too? Hit points is always your maximum hit dice plus your constitution at level one. Unless Megan wants to make us roll, which is fine by me as well. Nope, nope. Take the maximum you can get. <laughs> so what's that? So what is it? My maximum hit dice? Which is 1d8? Uh, so eight plus your constitution modifier. Okay. So ten I have for hit points. Sorry, I'm lost when we do this kind of stuff. I'm no, so that's lazy. okay. I think I got it. I tend to make my characters using um, a website, D and D Beyond because I can just plug in the basic numbers and it helps with all the adding bonuses and figuring out proficiencies and everything. Yeah, I really just make things a lot easier. What, what's better, light armor or leather armor? What and what? It says here I have light armor and leather armor. I don't know which ones I should be wearing. Light armor is the, prof is the type of armor. Oh, leather armor is light armor, I get it. Okay, and then for you, your spell save DC is going to be 8, plus your proficiency bonus, plus your spellcasting modifier. So, going to be 8, plus 2, plus whatever your charisma is. So, sprite in somewhere on your sheet, spell save DC, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, is 14. Damn, that's good at level 1. That's really good. What about the spell attack bonus? I have it at 5. Uh, that would be four plus proficiency. No, that would be a six. I can keep the spells I have, right? Uh, yeah, that should be fine. I just have the two cantrips and the two level ones. Right, my guy also walks with a limp and has a rather th thick walking stick about hip height. Awesome. Doesn't slow him down a whole lot, but you know, he's uh, uh, definitely not going dancing anytime soon. Oh. Although I suppose he doesn't have much time with all those kids. 
I think I'm gonna make my guy a trained dancer. Nice. <laughs> Always dance around Caleb. You can just dance and spot, it'll be fine. So I was doing a little bit of browsing yesterday in some D&D &D groups, and I hear that depending on the DM and GM, flanking may not give advantage. So I just wanted that to... Is guys that if you are flanking you have advantage <laughs> i mean so will yes. bad guys but <laughs> obviously surround and pound is indeed a strategy i think it is um, i don't even know what's in the priest pack i'll figure that out later <laughs> Leveling up Minimus. should come pretty quickly for you guys. I, I'm going to base it more on milestone than amount of experience points you get. And you'll all level up at the same time, just to keep the party all level with each other. I don't have a fun and fancy camera setup, so we're going to be playing almost entirely theater of the mind. I might have some pictures and stuff that I'll throw up into chat. We are playing a game where you can shoot fireballs out your butthole. If you can't use a little imagination, then I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> also, now I want to make a character who casts burning hands with his butt. I think that would be awesome. Is burning hands a touch attack? Uh, no, no, it just involves a, uh, you're supposed to touch your hands together, but I figure bending over and pulling your ass cheeks apart is, uh, <laughs> just as good. Absolutely. <laughs> like a chair. I feel you have to reload the cantrip. <laughs> uh, here's a question for you, Megan. This is a homebrew that I throw in mine, and I want, it just for the spellcasters, if rules as written... You can cast a leveled spell uh, as a bonus action, but then can only cast a cantrip as the action. I usually homebrew that out for you guys, and if you all want to blow your spell slots right away, that's on you. But what is your ruling on that? That would be two spells a turn? If you chose, if as the player, because I've let you do that before in my game, where you blow two spell slots in the same turn, and that's that's a decision. But I asked that before at the end of our game and you said I couldn't, so I was wondering. That's an excellent question. I might have to ponder that one. That's totally fine. I'm not as familiar with spellcasters and spells. Um, I know that there are some spells you can cast as a bonus action. And then rules is written, you can only cast a cantrip as an action. Mm, nah. Or you or you can use it for something non-magic related. Yeah. 
I think if your spell says bonus action, then you can cast an entirely different spell at whatever level for your actual action. Cool. Throw your spells out there. Burn the burn your spell slots and hopefully burn the bad guy down. <laughs> Hope for the best. Hope for the best indeed. So the adventure I want to take you guys on is a little different from the one that Caleb took us on in that his game was very sandbox. We often had a goal in mind, but we could go anywhere and do anything. And I'm not entirely confident in my ability to sandbox an entire world. So you will have a goal However, how you go about it is completely up to you guys. So there's definitely room for interpretation and non-linear path. But there will be something that should be getting done. Cool. I like knowing what to do. <laughs> Hopefully. Alright, I think I am about set up. I'm gonna step outside for a smoke before pressing onwards. How are you doing there, Mr. John? Smoking uh, intense amounts of marijuana. <laughs> Excellent. Snake, you're sitting on top of your water dish. Are you gonna poop? You're gonna poop in your water dish again tonight, aren't you? Just to spite me. Did you put fresh water in it? Because then, yeah. <laughs> no, no, he's just been looking dusty for a couple days. So he's going to sit on his water dish, take a big old dump inside the water, and then shed in the middle of the night. Yeah. I'm going to wake I'm gonna wake up to go to work. And uh, that's going to be what I wake up to. Definitely. Poop and skin everywhere. My dragon's not allowed to have a water dish. One, she doesn't require it, and two, because she would just poop in it. <laughs> so what's the plan for tonight, Meng? We're going to go through the storyline and what the goals are and stuff? Mm, kind of. I think what I'd like to do for a few minutes, um, after a little quick break for everybody, I would like to start with a little bit of character introduction. And I don't know my backstory right now. I that's fine. You don't need a whole backstory out. Um, I would like to talk about the moment that your characters get a summons from the Baron for help. And just what that looks like. What was your character doing? Were they in town? Did they have to travel? You know, just to try and bring the characters into the story. And then that's all we really need to do tonight and then for session one we'll start off with okay you guys are in front of the baron and the baron is asking you for help i swear if gravity didn't keep my shirt on i'd lose that too welcome back <laughs> 
I'm, I'm still grabbing stuff because I have walked across the house four times because I have I am playing out of the bedroom tonight instead of my usual perch. Nice. And it is um. I'm leaving things in funny places. It's just a trail of stuff. When I used to go out and get drunk, drunk me was always really nice to sober me. You could always tell the exact path that I walked into my house because there'd be my shoes, and then my socks, and then my pants, and then my shirt. Continue on around the corner to my bed, and I'd wake up in the mornings, and I'd be like, oh, here's all my stuff because I left it in a trail. There's my wallet. There's my phone. It's all there. And drunk me put a glass of water on the nightstand. It's all good. <laughs> So did you get a chance to the lions up? Not yet. It's, it's not, it's not good. No, I was worried I, about I, that. I couldn't get into it. Mm. Baldur's Gate 3 is probably the most, like, probably the best Dungeons and Dragons game out there. Yeah. It's still in early access. I'll try it this weekend. I don't have big expectations for it, so maybe I won't find it as bad. It's like a dungeon crawl version of an MMO with a button mashing battle system. Yeah. And I heard it's not any kind of sandbox. Like you just you go and you do the thing. Yeah, you have a, a central hub that you base your game out of and you just go down a different path to do a different dungeon. There's no actual exploration. Okay. So I, I have half the fun of D&D is exploring, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's what Baldur's Gate's so good at. You can, one quest will have like 25 different ways to beat it. Yeah, that's big. And even in, even in a linear game of D&D, you're walking down the hall, there's a door on the left and a door on the right. You have to make a decision. They could, it could be a silly decision that does nothing, but... You could walk right past them this and game back. Has, This game will have your doorways and they all lead to a, another battle, and then another battle, and then another battle to uh, finish the last battle, and then go to the central hub and buy what you can to repeat process that are harder. Dungeon crawl. Yeah, without any <laughs> really storyline or anything. It's, it's, it's there, but it's not, you know? Silly me. I fucked up my unarmored defense by by making my dex bad. Oops. <laughs> Dexterity is to do with the armor defense? Uh, yes, because almost all armors have, um, are based on your dexterity, and I, it went from, uh, I, I put up, only I put a plus one in my dex, so it's, my AC is only a 14. As a barbarian and as a monk, you get unarmored defense. So the barbarian is 
if you're not wearing any armor, your armor class equals 10 plus your dexterity modifier plus your constitution modifier. So walk around in shorts. Or a priest's robes. <laughs> yep. He's wearing like a priest's jacket and pants that very obviously, you know, they were black at one point, but they've been washed to the point where they're a charcoal gray. I love those details. I mean, he has a budget. He just spends it on other things that, <laughs> you know, he'll get new clothes next month. And next month rolls around and he goes, I'll get new clothes next month. The children need clothes. Absolutely. So you're really, uh, are you back? Like, back back? I mean, I'm outside smoking, but I'm back back. So, you know, yes, okay. ish, kind well, of. I just, um, I just want to put you on the spot for some improv. Oh, goody. <laughs> Uh, so the Baron is uh, sending out ravens, asking his friends and former associates for help. What I mean, does, of course. Yeah, what does it look like when your character gets this summons to come to the Baron's home at dawn the next morning? What's your character doing, you know... That kind of thing. Um, probably having just returned from a fishing trip with some of the older, um, the older kids that live in the orphanage. I'd have gotten home to the smell of stew being cooked up in a massive cauldron in our kitchen. Most of the vegetables grown in our small acreage that is packed full of vegetables that the children will sell for uh, in the hopes of keeping us funded and receiving the, the summons I would open the letter which would be very very peculiar that the Baron would send me any sort of a letter as if there was a concern the Baroness would likely have brought it up herself she's around quite often um, the lack of details is a little concerning I would you know, go over and think if I had possibly done something wrong and not come up with any sort of sol solution, I would have informed Mrs. Mahonahan that I must uh, set out first thing in the morning and make my way up to the Baron's residence. You know, what, depending on what favor he needs of me, I... I do not know. How do you spell your character's name? M-O-H-A-N-O-N. H-O-N-A-N. Sorry, H-O-N-A-N. Uh, he's also a human who is in his 60s. He's got a uh, horseshoe of silvery hair that's kept short and a beard. Um, he's got a, a bit of a belly and uh, he has... He, he drinks to calm his nerves sometimes and, and a bad habit from when he was sailing. He's not a drunk, but you know, he's... You know, He'll pull out his flask, say a prayer, and have a drink. Might as well. 
well and works hard. It's hard feeding 20 kids. Uh, yeah, I don't. I can't imagine. <laughs> that's why that's why they're all trained to help around the house because uh, nobody else is there to do it. Yeah, pretty much. It's uh, it's just the two of us and you know the occasional volunteer that we get that helps us run the place. That poor woman gave birth to 20 kids. <laughs> no, they're all orphans. Oh, okay. Why too sweet? Yeah, Father Mahanahan just collects kids in a very non-creepy fashion. Yeah, that sounds super creepy. It does sound creepy. He has also had run-ins with local gangs that have tried to, you know, draw some of the kids into thieving lifestyle or draw some of them into working in the brothel. If he's a priest, what's his religion? Um, he prays to Melora. She's uh, actually a wilderness goddess from back in his sailing days, but she kept him safe all those years. No point in switching religions. I like that. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, would, it, would that be a, I could maybe tie that into my story because mine's a reborn character. Maybe that could be the deity that Sure. Does this deity travel to the netherworld too, or whatever? I mean, from what I know of her, she is the, the goddess of the, the wild. This white, you know. Uh, I use. I, I look at the city, and I don't super love it. I would much rather be out, you know, on the open ocean in the waters. But my responsibilities keep me here. So I'll change my event from happening in the bush to on the on an ocean shoreline. An I mean, sure. If you want, I could have found you on a fishing trip with the kids, because you know, would take them out and teach them how to fish. Because I teach these kids as many skills as I can cram into them before they move away. Yeah, but I gotta I gotta die and come back to life because I'm a reborn. Um, I'm an undead. Who says you weren't reborn and um, you know you drowned and uh, maybe you drowned at sea and whatever you died. And you and found you me on the shoreline. Yeah. Okay, that'll be how that happens. Okay. That's awesome. Wake up, you know, half drowned. We of course make sure we you're taken care of and give you a bed. The bed's kind of short because they're sized for children, but. Better than where you woke up in the sand, I guess. Yeah. I was given a, a, a reason I came back to life was like my wife was uh, murdered and left to die, I guess, well, in the ocean. So I, and then I was murdered as well, but I came back to find out who did this. Actually, let's make it even cooler. My wife's not murdered. I don't know if she's dead or not. She, she's, she's not there. Missing. Her body's not there. Yeah, I'm just missing. Always. Whether I find her or not, I'll leave up to you, Meg. Okay. Finding her would be important. We need to track down if she's alive, and if she is not, then justice must be done. I like it. Okay, there's my story. I like it. I got all these cool little abilities being 
Undead Reborn stage. Definitely. So for you, John, um, I'm thinking that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, the Baron sends you this summons and is maybe a little bit more descriptive in his letter to you. Perhaps he says something in there like, in return for attending and doing me a favor, I will use whatever power I have to find out or to help you find out what happened to your wife and or locator. Well, now he's looking sus as, as fuck because how the hell does he know? Well, it's a small city. I kind of imagine that if you wandered in and stayed at the orphanage, the Baron would know a little so bit like why you're there. I was a famous warlock, maybe. Mm. I don't want to be staying at the orphanage. I want to have a little hut somewhere by ourselves. We're, we're a recluse couple. Oh, I'm going to sure. be a recluse. Yeah. And then, so, but how would the guy know? I guess I'm, we're an unknown couple and I ended up dead. Yeah. And the wife's gone, so they would know, okay. Oh yeah, you didn't have to stay long at the orphanage, just long enough that you could get yourself, you know, not dying. You had to convince me you weren't dying. Yeah. And uh, your body temperature was not helping your case. <laughs> no, I'm dead. I'm undead. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm gonna look all... I, wanna, I picture myself looking all grotesque, like... Igor from Frankenstein. Father McHonahan discriminates against no one. Which is good. Unless you're trying to hurt his kids and then he gets really angry and has a bad habit of breaking people's shits. I was going to make a bad joke. <laughs> I mean... Andy, what about... Uh, what are you working on over there? Oh, I'm going to be a tabaxi... Uh, tabaxi bard. Awesome. My name is Frederick B. Lion, Or Felix the Cat for short. No, Felix like that. Awesome. That's awesome. I forgot my name's Peter. Sorry, guys. We have Peter the Warlock. <laughs> Father Mahanahan, or just, you know, anyway. Uh, uh, we've got a human priest with no magic powers, a cat bard, and an undead warlock. Sound like the start of a bad joke. I love it. It's fantastic. I will make sure that there are healing potions uh, to yeah, be found. <laughs> I have two of them. And also, I want to hear yeah, what's Andy's backstory. Yeah, we gotta roll Andy into this. How would the Baron find you and summon you to his home? Are you a criminal? I'm not a criminal, but I have a gambling problem. I'm a little behind on some of my debts due, and uh, yeah, it's not going very great. 
So this is something you would agree to do in exchange for coin? Like he could promise you a reward and you'd be like, okay, I'll help. <laughs> oh yeah. Awesome. That'll be his angle there. They're gonna take my shins. <laughs> what about for you? What's your cat doing when, when you get a raven with a note that says, come to the manor house at dawn? There will be a reward in exchange for a favor. I'm actually ducking the, out the back window of a bar because I was caught. <laughs> I figured this is a safer bet than going back into the inn, so... <laughs> this is gonna be a really, really fun game. So we're all male? As far as I know, unless you two are not. <laughs> I am. Peter. Peter's a boy. Yeah, Felix is a guy. Strip club boys. So, we have a priest with a drinking problem, a bard with a gambling problem, and an undead guy who can't find his wife. Plus, I'm deformed. <laughs> <laughs> right, the deformed undead guy. This will awesome. be fun. <laughs> oh! Um, one thing is, when we play our sessions, uh, if there's a level up, it'll happen at the end of a session, so that you have an entire week to work on your level up. That said, um, whenever you pick a feat, you will have an entire session to play with that feat, and if you decide you don't like it, you can exchange it free of charge before the next session. I like that, because I was picking stuff I didn't know what it was until I used it and didn't like it. Yeah. This way you can yeah. use it for an entire session, and then if you don't like it, change it out. Or you can take the stat increase. Or, yeah. Or take the stat increase instead. But that way you get to play uh, around with Megan, different things. As a variant human, mm -hmm. I do I did take this savage attacker feat. I won't need to change that out. Um, <laughs> and once per turn with a melee weapon, I can roll my damage essentially with advantage. That is very cool. I got something called Form of Dread I can use twice for rest, which gains me 10 hit points and if I hit a creature with an attack, they have to make a wisdom saving throw where they're frightened. <laughs> I also don't sleep, so I can refill all my spell slots after a one hour, which is my short rest, and a four hours my long rest. That is cool. I, yeah, I thought so. I'm immune to frightened as well, and resistance to poison, and I have a bunch of advantages. I can get really mad. Yeah. <laughs> I throw stuff. I drink and I throw stuff. <laughs> I mean, if I rage, and I can do that twice per long rest right now, uh, while raging, uh, I can rage as a bonus action while raging. I have advantage on strength checks and saving throws. When you make a melee attack using strength, you gain a plus two bonus to the damage roll. This bonus increases as you level. Uh, you have resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Uh, I can't cast or concentrate on any spells, 
Uh, it lasts for one minute, but ends early if I am knocked unconscious, or my turn ends and I haven't attacked a hostile creature since my last turn, or I haven't taken damage since then. I can also end it early as a bonus action. That's cool. That being said, I'm just going to be hitting people with my walking stick. Hey, I mean, whatever I'm, works. I'm doing a hiding and attacking from a distance. Gotcha, so I'm the tank. Yeah, for sure. First Are you our DPS or what? I mean, I'm swinging for 1d8 plus my strength at advantage every turn. And if I rage, I get to add another two to that. It's so you're a, you're a DPS and our tank. Nice. I'm the front line. You guys. Well, that depends. How are you building your bard, Andy? Not completely sure yet. <laughs> and I want to hear some of your freestyling music here. Top of your head. I'm definitely going to have some healing spells just in case we need them, but uh, most likely... Vicious Mockery, so you can just insult people to death? <laughs> I like Vicious Mockery. Yeah. I never played a bard in anything, a video game or D&D. That sounds neat. They're honestly one of the best classes, in my opinion, because they are truly the everything. Really they like can them. be ranged. They can be ranged. They can be sneaky. They can be uh, right in melee. They can be magic users. Like they have a little bit of everything. And the ranger was supposed to have the same feel, but be a little more martial. Except that the ranger sucks balls. I'm probably gonna push myself a little bit more to be more roguish-like, just in case we need to pick a lock or something. Plus, um, having a little bit of the stealthy side probably works good with your gambling. <laughs> Hence why I'm sneaking out a window right now. <laughs> yep, just <laughs> hightailing it out of there. I mean, your character wouldn't know this, but once you're on a job with me, if somebody shows up and is like, we're going to take your kneecap, so I'm going to be like, he's with me, so how about no? <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, well, I'm excited. We're shooting 8.30 tomorrow, or Thursday, I mean. Yep. Yep. All right, I'll talk to you guys then. Sounds good. Have a good one. Have a good night. Good night. Good night. Yeah, I think we've, uh, I think we've done whatever we need to do. Yeah, I think that's about it. We've covered what we're doing and uh, where we're going to start. And all in all, we've got a pretty balanced party. And I think we'll be okay. I think so, too. We just might have to be smart because we don't have a cleric. But <laughs> yeah. you don't need one. <laughs> I don't think you need one. They're helpful for sure, but... Necessary. Well, at the very least, I'll have healing words, so that'll help a bit. It will. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that'll that'll get us out of some tight spots. That that you know, 
save that for when shit's gone south and people are starting to drop and we need to be running like we're no this is we have no business being here fucking get out I'll try and remember and drop some health potions here and there because uh, the last thing I want to do is kill you guys <laughs> in the first little bit. Oh, one of the best parts about playing a game is getting yourself into a situation where you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I've, I've got an interesting story thought out here and uh, it can pretty much go as long or as short as needed as a filler. Like, I expect us to get through this first part in two sessions. And it would be easy to end there or continue going, depending on whenever Caleb's ready with the new system. Caleb needs to work on that an awful lot. So... I mean, if I don't do a horrible job and everyone's enjoying the story and the characters and stuff, then I could probably fill a few months. <laughs> like, Let's give it a go. Like, I've got, I've got one class completely finished. Uh, another one I'm working on. I'm also developing all of the spells, which I had to redefine how I was setting up the spells because my initial plan involved I did some math and it was like 400 spells that I need to create and it's like fuck I don't want to write these and nobody's going to read 400 goddamn spells that's a lot of spells however there's still because at each level when you're a caster you take a new spell right. there are two generic spells and then occasionally there's also a subclass specific spell that brings you up to three options at that level for your spell but you only pick one Right. However, that is still 20 generic spells. No, sorry. Level one, you take two spells, uh, and there are four generic options, and a, each subclass has a subclass-specific option. I think that's going to be fun. It's, it's got a lot of options, and I'm just I'm trying to make sure that they all balance themselves out. Without question. Answer. Did you guys hate that I just put you on the spot and asked you for some improv on what your character was doing? No. Okay. No. I like that you guys are creative and I want you to be able to tell the tell your story. <laughs> Ninety percent of being a DM is just coming up with shit on the fly anyway, so Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, your players will always find option R. Yeah, definitely. R? I'm thinking more like Z plus Q and whatever else comes in between. <laughs> it starts looking at like an Excel spreadsheet where suddenly you've got A, A, B, 1. Yep. <laughs> I read a game this Saturday which I only prepared like an hour and a half of material, ran for six hours. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> But I know my players, and they just love to dick around, so... Hey, fair. That's why I often, like, I have a general outline of what's going to happen. More of a, if you do, if the players do nothing, this is going to happen. And then what happens when you start throwing wrenches into that? How do they react? And I just kind of 
I improv from there, mm-hmm. but you need that that base plan of like if not if the players don't get involved, what's what's the outcome? Yeah, that's kind of what I've got. I've got I've got bare bones, and basically, if you guys go here, this could happen. If you guys go there, this could happen, and I mean everything else is just gonna happen the way it happens, like. <laughs> And uh, one other tip that I, I would like to share. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Howl's Moving Castle? <laughs> Sometimes you need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, yes, I've got this tower in the north that they're going to find. We're going to go to the east. There's a tower in the east. Yep, for sure. There's an important NPC waiting for them in the market. They don't go to the market. Oh, he's on the road outside of town. Yep, he's at the <laughs> library, he's, uh, wherever, or you can change up the NPC that needs to tell it. Like, yep. Sometimes you have to hit your players over the head with a plot line so hard that they get knocked uncomfortable. <laughs> oh yeah, the plot has to follow the characters sometimes, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes they don't even mean to be doing a screw job. They just you predicted X, Y, and Z because that was what they were saying and they sit down at the table and go, you know, actually, it would be much better if we went to the library and spent the day researching. You're like, I have all my mini set up to do a fucking marketplace chase, you assholes. (laughs) Fine. That'll be fun. That's when you have a random fruit stand in the middle of the library. Who knows how it happened? It just happened. (laughs) Yeah. Just there. Snack, snacks for the researchers. Brilliant. All right. Well, I think we can call it a night. You two have a wonderful night. You too. You as well. I'm excited for Thursday. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Yes, it is. We are certainly an eclectic group of people being gathered, so it'll be interesting. Definitely. Yeah, we are definitely an odd trio.